0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gateway Church Online. Uh, Over the summer period, uh, you should know by now that we're not meeting in person. We've paused those meetings, giving everybody a bit of a break, an opportunity to meet together, to be together in different ways. And uh, alongside that, we are teaching our way through a series called Friendship Matters, as well as encouraging people to read this book, True Friendship by Vaughan Roberts. We've got loads of copies. If you would like one, just contact the office and uh, and we can send one out to you. Uh, This morning, we start kind of phase two of this teaching series. We've looked at Uh, Friendship with God, we've looked at friendships within the church, we've looked at friendships outside of the church and now uh, we spend the next three Sundays looking at specific examples in the Bible of friendship. And so this morning uh, Pete Sloan is going to be speaking, so over to you Pete. So today we're looking at one of the most famous stories of friendship in the Bible, Jonathan and David. One was born the son of a king and the other became king. Their friendship speaks of loyalty, unselfishness, and sticking by someone through thick and thin. But today, however, I want to look at a completely different story, the story of Star Wars. Now, for those of you that know me, you know that I do try and get a Star Wars reference every time I preach. However, this time it's not completely shoehorned in. Now, I'm sure many of you end up watching lots of different videos on YouTube. Um, recently, we had a men's camping um, evening, and Caleb and Tim were telling us all about a series of videos they watch about a man who walks in straight lines across a country. And apparently, he's attempted to do whales a couple of times and given up because it's too difficult. Um, personally, I find myself watching videos um, of mainly about breakdowns of films and TV series, which my wife will testify um, with some groaning. Um, I'm not someone who easily just enjoys watching something. I like to really get immersed in it. I like to know everything about it, sort of the details behind the scenes, all the little Easter eggs that are in in shows as well. I I want to know kind of what's the story behind what we are being shown and told. One thing I really love watching is video essays. Um, A few weeks ago, I came across a video essay I watched that was called um, The Case Against the Jedi by someone called Pop Culture Detective. And in it, he just talks about some of the issues of the whole philosophy of the Jedi. He talks about the fact that the Jedi, like well-meaning people in the real world, and yes, I do know Star Wars is not the real world, um, firmly believe that you need to disassociate from your feelings and to learn to tough it out in silence. Within Star Wars, to be a Jedi, you must be free from attachment. But in reality, this can be extremely damaging and unhealthy. We see that in the main character of Star Wars, Anakin Skywalker. As a little boy, he's rescued from slavery. He joins the Jedi Order and eventually falls to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. Anakin is originally rejected from joining the Jedi Order because he's too emotional. He misses his mother, who is still a slave. Anakin's feelings of pain and loss, um, the video says, are understandable and completely normal. But instead of getting emotional support that he desperately needs, this child is instead publicly shamed for expressing his feelings of grief and sadness. See, young Jedi instructed to sever all close attachments, to deny their emotional selves. But following that path can lead to loneliness, emotional dysfunction, and anger. And we see that as Anakin turns into Darth Vader throughout the series. It's only when Anakin's son Luke becomes a Jedi and he actually realizes the power of friendship, of love, of family, that Luke and his father together overcome the emperor, the evil master that saw that there was nothing to gain in friendship. He said that that Luke's faith in his friends was his weakness, despite actually being shown to be his strength. The video also um, talked about a book that's called The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love. And there was a quote in there that really stuck out for me. It said, particularly of young boys, we pull them away from their own expressiveness from their feelings, from sensitivity to others. The very phrase to be a man means suck it up and keep going. Disconnection is not a fallout from traditional masculinity. Disconnection is masculinity. And so the title of today's talk is this, Man Up. Now, it's a phrase I hate, and it's one I want to challenge and change. Because making friends and good friends can be really difficult good close friends, particularly as a male, as a man, is something that is not always that common. At least, and Within that, it then leads to some sort of modern readings of the story of Jonathan and David, which they kind of read into text things that really aren't there. The only conclusion some people come to when they read First um, Samuel is the idea that maybe there must be something more to their relationship than just friendship, some sort of physical relationship. When you get get verses in 2 Samuel um, chapter 1 that say, and this is David speaking after Jonathan's death, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. See, even today's society, sometimes we don't really get or grasp actually how wonderful male friendship can be, and we must assume, therefore, that it's something else. A poll recently released by Gallup shows that in the past 30 years in America, the number of close friends people have has drastically reduced. In fact, one particular statistic that stood out to me is, in men now in America, and this is um, adult men, 15% say they have no close friends, and it's about 10% with women. And I can kind of connect with that, because growing up, um, I didn't have someone that I would probably consider a close friend or a best friend or a bestie or a BFF or whatever you want to call them. And I found that really tough because there were some people who had that really close connection and I could see that and I wanted it, but I didn't have it. And I think there's lots of us that go through potentially all our lives like that, craving for that friendship, but actually not having it. It can be a sense of being very isolated and lonely, and that can be quite crippling in everything about who we are. See, we're designed for relationship, we're designed for friendship, we're designed to be in relationship with one another. And I think that's something that's been even more significantly pinpointed over the last year and a bit in the pandemic, the fact that we need one another, we need to be in friendship with one another. Many of you will know that I work in a local secondary school, and we did a survey of all the students when they first returned back in September after being six months away from school just to find out how all the students were doing and kind of gauge kind of where they're at, what they were looking forward to as they returned back to school. And maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised, but I was quite astonished that nearly unanimously, all of them said they were just looking to reconnect with their friends. It wasn't their teachers they'd missed all that much. It wasn't being in the classroom. It was just being around their friends and hanging out, sharing stories, living life together. And so this morning, what I really want to do is just look at Jonathan and David and think a bit, actually, what can we learn from their story? What can we learn from their friendship? David and Jonathan met immediately after David had defeated Goliath and the Philistines. At this time, they're still boys, or maybe young men, if you want to call them that. But as the chapters go on, we see them become men, how their friendship and their bond together encourages each other and builds them up and strengthens them. And so that's really my first point from their their friendship, is that friendship springs from a strong bond and affection. See, Saul was chosen to be king. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He was a good fighter. He was everything you would say from an earthly perspective you'd want in a king. But he had one major fault. He didn't trust people. He didn't trust those around them and believe often what they said. To cut to the chase... He didn't have good friends around him, and God stepped in. Saul was not the kind of king that he wanted for his people, for the people of Israel. Saul's family was not going to be the family tree by which the nation of Israel will be led. The prophet Samuel came and anointed David to be king. David then goes on to defeat Goliath, and this fuels Saul's jealousy and his anger. However, it is at this very moment that David forged this tight-knit friendship with Jonathan. If we look in First Samuel chapter 18, at the beginning of the chapter, it says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. We'll come in a bit later so maybe some of the meanings and significance of that, but all the language here suggests a strong bond with David and Jonathan. Their souls are one in spirit, or another translation says that they were knit together and that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. See, the foundation for Jonathan and David's friendship is they accepted each other for who they were, not what they could be, what they might be, but just who they were. A bit later on in the story, in one Samuel nineteen, Saul told his, um, it says Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David, because you know his jealousy and anger had started got too much. He, he wanted he wanted rid of David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I will speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Sometimes the connections we can have can be kind of unexpected, a bit like this relationship with David and Jonathan. Um, I was reflecting on this a bit as I was repairing and actually um, a couple nights ago, I went um, and met with a friend um, who lives in Sheffield He went to a pub nearby and we were just reminiscing a bit on kind of how our friendship started. We met at Bible College um, 12 or so years ago. starting to make myself feel a little bit old now. Um, we didn't instantly become friends. We actually really forced our friendship because we were put together on duty to clean the um, male toilets and showers, and that was our job twice a week to do, and I'll tell you I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore. But over the twice a week for weeks and weeks on end, we just got to know each other and chatting. And when you are pulling out hair from sinks and holes and cleaning toilets that really should have been cleaned by someone else, you have to be real with each other. There's no hiding there. And that friendship has lasted all this time. We don't always get to see each other. When we do, we reconnect in a way where it's like we've never, we've never not seen each other. We have that friendship where we can go years without speaking to each other and then we can pick it up where we left off. It's been really a privilege, actually, in the last few months. We've had a couple of times where our families have met up together and seeing our kids play together. But actually, we were reflecting, actually, how it was, a, it was an odd way to start our relationship together, or our friendship together. But actually, because of that, it's got really strong. And we're able to see each other just for who we are. We, in some ways, we're very similar people. In some ways, we are completely different people. And actually, that's what makes it great between us. And I think sometimes, just in general life, we don't spend enough time thinking about the nature of friendship. We can often be so caught up in our sort of social media dominated age that we, that we become so image conscious that we think more about the impression that we're going to make than actually making those genuine connections. If we're not careful, we can end up trying to craft an image of ourselves on social media and we don't want to get too close to people because that might ruin the image, that might ruin the mystique. We build our identity on the number of people that were impressed by us, on the number of followers or friends we have, or the number of likes we get. See, we have an important choice to make. Are we going to impress people or have genuine friendship? See, when we develop real friendships, our friends will know that perhaps we aren't always that impressive. They'll see the rough edges, the ugly side of us. But we will be known and we'll be loved. And that's the beauty of true friendship. It sees the ugly and it stays. And ultimately, the truest example of friendship we have is God's love towards us. And God's love has nothing to do with our being impressive enough for him to love. In Romans chapter 8, it says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love and given us the greatest gift that we could ever have not because we were impressive. In fact, he knows deeper than anyone else the realities of who we are. And what blows me away is the fact that God knows me better than anyone and says, I know you, I see you, and I love you. So point two I want to move on to is friends are there in the bad times, not just the good times. See, the friendship between David and Jonathan started at a high point, the triumph over Goliath and the Philistines. However, their friendship is not designed by the, defined by the good times, but by them being there for other during the bad times. In Samuel chapter 20, David is in hiding from Saul. He knows his life is in danger. Jonathan comes and finds him, and the passage says they greeted each other and they wept together. says, so Jonathan said to David, "'Go in peace,' For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Even in the most challenging and difficult of circumstances, they were there for each other. They cried together. They were vulnerable with each other. This was their manning up. See, a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. And it's great and right that we have friends around us when we can celebrate the good times, to celebrate and share in our success, to share in theirs. When the chips are down, when life is hard, that is when we need our friends around us. And there's something else, I think, particularly special about their friendship. We see this in 1 Samuel, chapter 23. When David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. We need friends around us who can lift us up, who can encourage us in the bad times, who remind us that we are loved and valued. We need friends around us that can point us back to God and can remind us where our true value comes from, who we really are, and how much God loves and values us. Over the past 16 or so months um, during the pandemic, I've been reminded again of how much my life group are one of the best examples of friendship that I have. Every week we met on Zoom and we talk about the good and what is challenging in our lives. It was great sharing the good times, but more importantly, we were there for each other when life was difficult, when being stuck in our home was just getting too much, when people were ill or, or knew others that were ill and just finding things difficult. We listened to each other, we prayed for each other, and they have been an immense source of blessing to both me and Nina over the years, and we value the relationship and friendship we have with all of them. And I just want to take a moment to say that, you know, that this church does an amazing thing with all the groups we have going on, and if you are not part of one, but you're part of this church, get in a life group, because you've got a support network around there, you've got people around there that can be there when life is difficult whether it's on Zoom, whether it is sitting in someone's garden or whatever it is, you've got, someone, you've got people around you who you know are praying for you, that have your back looking out for you. And then my third point is this, to love someone as yourself, self-sacrifice. Going back to 1 Samuel 18, it says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And you see Jesus pick up this very idea in, in a Mark's gospel where Jesus tells us that we are to love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus teaches us that true friendship involves self-sacrifice. It involves putting others first. Jonathan's friendship with David is one that was a great personal cost to himself. When they first meet and Jonathan strips off his armor and his weapons, It tells us a lot about what he really thinks is going to go on between him and David. Jonathan's gift acknowledges that David one day will be king, not him and not his father. Jonathan is born the son to a king. Rightly so, he should be king. But at no point do we ever see Jonathan for a second claim that that is what he should be. Never a second being jealous or resentful of David. He looks at David and says, you are the man God has chosen and I will be there for you. I will support you. Jonathan goes the extra mile. Um, Back in in, um, 1 Samuel 20, when David is convinced that Saul's out to kill him, Jonathan kind of disagrees him a bit and says, my father couldn't be capable of that. But Jonathan, though, trusts his friend. So he sends David away to hide. And while he is, he goes and says, I'll go sort of check out what's going on. I'll gauge how, how much my anger is for you, David. And so while David is in hiding, they're having the big new moon feast. Um, And the first night, David isn't there. And Saul's a bit suspicious, but doesn't say anything. The second night, David's not there again. And you see Saul's demeanor change. You pick this up in 1 Samuel 20, verse 27. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, he said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me go to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled a spear at him to kill him. Then, and I love this, Jonathan knew his father intended to kill David. Yes, you've got the message. And so what happens in the story is the next morning, Jonathan runs out um, to find David. That is when they sort of, they weep together and the realization of what this means for their friendship, because David is going to have to go and flee. Despite initially doubting his friend, he put trust in David and put his own life on the line. And that enabled David David to flee and be safe. See, Jonathan's care for David shows us something of the sacrifice involved in friendship. He was loyal to his bond to protect David, even though it meant he would not get to be king. He did this at great cost and danger to himself. His father to the point of cursing him and his own mother and potentially trying to kill him with a spear. Jonathan could have died to protect his friend. And I just want to stop there for a second because there's one thing that, has always puzzled me about David, because David's called to be king, and we know Jonathan is not. And the one thing I've always questioned a bit about David is, is throughout the Bible, he's described as this man, it says, the one whom God loved. And you get this idea that he's, he, 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 is, he is so loved, and you know, he's the man after God's own heart. And I've often wondered, well, knowing some of the things David goes on to do later in his life, why is he described in this way? And I came across this quote um, from an American pastor called Jonathan Martin a few years ago. And it, it really stuck with me. And he said, I don't believe David was uniquely loved by God. Only that he uniquely grasped his belovedness. See, I think a lot about who David is, is the fact that he had friends like Jonathan around him growing up. He had friends that were willing to put their life on the line for him. So that he could fulfill the calling that God had put on his life. And that strength of courage that others did for him meant that he was so assured of who he was, he was able to be this great man. It was because of his friends he was able to step up. Because friendship involves sacrifice. A friendship cannot survive for long if each person is self-centered and is unable to put their own preferences and interests apart from the sake of others. You know That's what makes friendships flourish. They involve sacrifice because a genuine um, friendship involves sacrificing our time, our resources, our emotional energy, our preferences. It means that we've got to really get to know people, to take time to spend with them, to bear with them in their failures, to work to forgive them when they wrong us. The greatest friendship I have in my life is my wife, and anyone who's married will tell you, marriage requires so much self-sacrifice. But actually, that is where so much of the joy and beauty can come. Jesus said, the person who loses his life will find it, and the one who saves his life will lose it. And we know that Jesus, and it says in Hebrews, that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. See, these are the surprising values of God's kingdom. Real happiness comes from having our lives revolve around, not around ourselves. I nearly completely got that wrong. Whereas the world says to focus only on ourselves, Jesus shows us that life is lived wrongly if we only do that. But actually, if we start to look out and look to other people, that is when we can be fully alive. God's love for us in Jesus models genuine friendship. Jesus went through the pain and difficulty of the cross for us. So how can we therefore not take the hard road for friends if that's what Jesus is willing to do for us? This may mean overlooking personal quirks, forgiving when we are wronged, and walking through others through difficulty. It's not always easy, but to walk through life with genuine friends is worth every effort that we put in. So to finish today, I just wanna come back kinda to where we start and thinking about Saul. See, he became a jealous, angry, revengeful king. He closed people off. He wasn't surrounded by friends. His son, Jonathan, though, was different. He made a strong bond, a strong friendship with David. They valued each other. Jonathan was willing to set aside and put David before himself, willing to allow his friends to have the position that really, truly should have been his. He was willing to say, David, you have that position of power. You have that position of influence. That's the life I can have, but I'm willing to let it all go for you because I love you. Jonathan was with David through the hardest of times. So the question I want to leave you with today is how are you going to man up? Are you going to be a Darth Vader or a Luke? Are you going to be a King Saul or are you going to be a Jonathan? I suggest the difference between them is attachment. The difference is friendship. Friendship.